0: Good morning, how are you guys doing? Everybody awake? In the dark, but awake? It'd be fun to do it like this one day, wouldn't it? We went, when we were in Africa a few weeks ago, um, there we went into uh, Masamara tribe, which are the folks that uh, paint and stretch their ears and cut their, their ears and like their, their men get circumcised at age 18. The women build their houses made of complete dung. And We went inside and it's completely dark inside. And so, like, this is the way they live in that darkness. And there's like a fire burning. Like, I was like crying. I wasn't like, it wasn't like an emotional moment, but I couldn't see anything. They're like, Are you choked up? I'm like, No, I just can't see. Uh, It's really good to see you guys. If this is your first time at Fathom Church, welcome. Uh, And we, as a church body, just want to tell you Welcome home. home. We really pray that this is a place that will feel like home to you, uh, a place for you to go deeper in your walk with with, uh, Jesus. Uh, to just grow and develop in what we call faith and family, uh, that you really can 't have one without the other you can 't host the, the groom or the bride without also hosting the groom, and you can 't separate the head from the body that both are necessary in our walk with christ so we 're excited that you 're here today we 're starting a brand new journey uh, in our message series called the ABCs of Financial Freedom. Uh, and basically, I want to get into this idea of freedom that God wants freedom in our lives. And it's not just in some lofty idea of freedom, some spiritual outer space freedom, and that we can get to with our mind. But I think in the very practical basics of our life, in our communication, God wants freedom, in our expectations, in our uh, relationships. He wants freedom. And I think nothing's more practical than money our four-year-old son, Beckett, likes to stand at the top of our stairs, and with his hand on his hip and one um, hand out, he says, money, please. Like, we got to pay a toll to get to our bedroom. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, kid. You got a limo driver. You got a chef. You got a butler. You have someone that wipes your butt, literally wipes your butt. Are you, like, you can't pay someone to do that. I guess you could, but it would be weird, but... Um, And you're going to tell me, I'm like, get out of my way, you little punk. Whose kid are you? And and so money, it's such a practical thing that even my four-year-old's trying to get it. Uh, It's it's incredible. Every decision we make, every almost thought, every single day, what is it going to cost me? Uh, How is this going to impact my budget? You know, how is this going to um, impact my cash flow? What's that going to look like? Is it worth it? to go to the movies, or should I just rent a red box and go home and pop some popcorn on my own and save the $50 (laughs) that it takes to go to the movies and have a thing of popcorn? It's just incredible. It's it's no wonder that Jesus talked about money so much. I mean, he talked about it once every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke, 11 of the 39 parables, almost one-third of Jesus's stories that he told were about money because he knows it's connected to our heart. He talked about it more than anything else except for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. More than heaven and hell combined, Jesus talked about money. Jesus knew there was something closely connected to our hearts. And uh, we're going to dive into this idea of money. And really what I want to get into over this series, the ABCs of Financial Freedom, is really just what it looks like to be a faithful disciple of Jesus. Because I think that's what we're all after. Our mission statement here is just to go and make disciples but we're also continuing to grow as disciples. And if we want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and fully, which is how, what Jesus um, really wants uh, from us, that's really the only thing he wants from us is our whole heart. And out of that, all good things flow. Uh, and so we're just going uh, to continue to dive in here. I mean, it, money is one of those things that um, I think Zig Ziglar said it really well. He said, uh, money can't buy you happiness, but everybody wants to find out for themselves. That's just uh, kind of a a true statement there. Uh, Andy Stanley said that uh, the appetite for money is never finally and fully satisfied. It's never finally and fully satisfied. We, We think, okay, once we get to this point, once I'm making this much, then I'll be happy, then I'll be satisfied. But no, we get to that point and we realize, we want more. We want more. And it's an appetite that will never be fully and finally, finally satisfied. So this isn't like a problem to be solved over the next three weeks. This is a, a posture of our heart that we're going to learn to live over the course of our lives. It's not something to just solve, but it's something that daily. I, I talk about the, the, the principles of tithing and the principle of Sabbath quite often because I know they're both connected to the things that we care about the most and the things that we don't have enough of, time and money. Sabbath having to do with our time and our work, and then tithing having to do with our our money. And so we're going to dive into this. And so for those of you uh, that might get uncomfortable in a a church talk about money because of past experiences, let me just say I get that. I really do. But Jesus talked about it a lot, so we're going to continue to talk about it because it's so closely connected to our heart. And you may be even asking yourself, okay, pastor, like, where's this going? What do you want from me? And the truth of the matter is that I, I don't want anything from you. I really don't. Uh, I'm, I'm not here today on commission. I'm, people have this like whacked view of a pastor that he's on some kind of commission or something that, that I, I couldn't survive on that. Uh, most days I trust God and survive um, and trust God with, with my whole financial life like you do. And so it's really important that a, as we dive in today, we just begin to prepare our hearts and ask God to speak to us in a really fresh way. And so to do that, before we even go any further into diving into the text, I want to talk and, and honestly talk to, about our church and, and my wife and I, and, uh, and not to, as a place of, um, to, to brag or anything, but just to say that what we're going to be talking about, we model. My wife and I um, consistently tithe on the 10% of our gross income that comes in on our family, and we give on top of that on what uh, God tells us to do and what he uh, asks us to do or people that he brings into our path, so we willingly do that, and we've seen a powerful principle in this. But also our church... Um, embodies what it means to, to be uh, biblically upfront, and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that more, this morning. We don't have like big business meetings or anything, but I, we talk about it regularly within the life of, of our church. In 2014, we were uh, blessed to be able to receive uh, about $120,000 in tithes, offerings, um, gifts from partnering churches, partnering individuals that believe in what God's doing here, about $120,000. And we pretty much broke even in 2014 uh, because of of two things with this, um, and the bottom one being we are a vessel, not a bank, that God's called us to be a vessel, not to just build up a larger and larger bank account. And so we we pretty much broke even on on what uh, we did last year. We are able to do uh, a lot of things, and we always wanna operate with a Fortune 500 quality, um, which just means biblical integrity and uprightness, and, and have a high standard, every receipt is accounted for. We know where the money's coming and going, and uh, that's who we want to be that have that high quality, but with a missionary passion of why God's put us here and a real understanding of our purpose. And we've basically looked at our budget um, in what is called a principle of thirds, and this is how we've approached this since we launched that a third of our expenses and our budget is invested into people to make the purpose happen, a third is invested into places to make the purpose happen, and a third is Purpose, purpose, purpose. Um, Or if you like location, 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 if you're a real estate agent. For us, it's purpose, 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 and we always want to continue to make the third, the last third, bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, The the first two are part of what it takes to make the ministry move forward, but, and and we'll never hit those targets dead on, but that's the approach that we always carry uh, with our budget that we take into our board of directors meeting, which we've had our board of directors since before we Um, even moved to this city, so that's something that's been up front. There's monthly things that happen. There's a a receipt for every single transaction that's ever happened in the life of this church since before we began, which is kind of crazy, but that's the truth of the matter, so we have lots of storage on this side of things. Uh, So this is how we approach it, and and so before I went and dove into all this stuff, I really wanted you to know that this is not something I'm just um, preaching but not practicing uh, as an individual or or as a leader in this church, and so I just wanted to to be up front with that, and we're going to dive into the scriptures today, and, and I pray that as we set, set, uh, begin to, to grab a hold of this, we'll really understand it's not about what, what God's trying to get after, other than our heart. And really, God just knows, Christ taught it, that really to get to our heart, He's got to get through our wallet, because it's deeply connected to who we are. And so we're going to look at, at Malachi chapter 3. This is the last book in the Old Testament, Um, and it says, Will a mere mortal, this is chapter 3, verse 8, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, How are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? Uh, You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates. We just sing about that, open the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be uh, room enough to store it. I, pre- I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, we live on a really busy road, uh, my family and I do. It's a really busy road almost every single time, particularly parents come over, because they're the ones that think about this, come over and they, the first thing they think is, oh man, you're on a busy road, are you not worried about your kid running out into the road? We're like, yeah, we were really worried about that early on. We weren't sure how um, our oldest, is the only one walking at this point, you know, said how he would do with it, but he's been really good. And really what I, I always tell them is that we have a line that he's to stay behind and he can run around and play as much as he wants in, in our backyard kind of driveway area, but he's not to cross that line. And, um, and he does great. And he's, he's, he's been able, because of his obedience, he's built up um, trust with his mom and dad. And that trust has brought him freedom in our backyard. <laughs> and, and there's something really deep to, to this principle we're going to be talking about in our life with God, is that if we want financial freedom, if we want that, then, then we have to have a foundation of trust. And for that tra- foundation of trust to be there, there's got to be obedience. My son's obeyed, therefore he has uh, my trust on some things, playing in the backyard right now, (laughs) Um, not his money. Um, And that's built freedom. And so there's a process that takes place there. And so, um, and that's what Jesus wants for our lives, not about what he wants from it, but what he wants for our lives, because everything's running through this filter. I think as we begin to look at this text, I'm reminded of uh, one of the most shocking things is this whole, you robbed me type uh, language that we get from the Lord, and it, it's kind of a, a, abrasive, uh, so to speak. You're robbing, you're robbing, you're under curse. Uh, when I was in elementary school, there was uh, I was quite the budding artist. I mean, I did win third place in a watercolor contest, not to brag. Um, you can hold your applause, but I did win third place in a watercolor contest, um, and uh, I had once sketched like a, a little piece on a piece of paper, probably off like a ripped off notebook or something, of Wolverine. You, you may be familiar with Wolverine. So I, I drew this great picture of Wolverine uh, and trying to develop my, my artistry in elementary school and colored it. And I, I sold it to a friend of mine for his lunch money. And um, I mean, hey, like just $1.50, what her mom was giving me was not enough. I wanted some fruit snacks and I didn't cover it. So uh, I was just trying to make a living, struggling artist, artists. And, um, <laughs> and so his mom and dad get so mad at me for making this transaction, building my business, it's America, lady. They were so mad at me, I think we went to church with them, and I think that night or the next night, they like approached me, and I don't know if my mom was there, but all I remember is like them being super angry, and saying that I stole from their kid, and I'm like, we made a clean deal, ma'am, I don't have a receipt, sorry, um, I'm, I'm in third grade, but, uh, <laughs> but they thought I stole from their kid, and I'm like, I didn't steal from your kid, I mean, Um, But they were super offended by it. I ended up having to give back the money, or my mom did. I I already spent it on fruit snacks, but (laughs) this idea of of robbing that was brought to me, and this week we we were trying to file our taxes online, and uh, come to find out someone had stolen our children's identity, maybe one or both of them. And the, our first reaction was like, are you kidding me? So it kind of got what those parents were talking about. Someone stole something from my kid, nothing bigger than identity. Not like there's anything to do with it right now, but uh, it's all good. But we kind of chilled out for a second. But this idea of being robbed is like a, an offensive thing. Like they felt like I robbed their kids. Like for us, it kind of, kind of a little bit of anger. Like who would do this? Who would steal the identity of a child? It just sounds insane. But I think we'd be the same way. Like if someone stole from us, someone stole from our kids, if someone stole from the church, came in here and ripped out all of our sound equipment on like a Saturday, or, or we found out someone had been stealing in some other way from the church, we'd be furious. Be Furious. But what we don't get as much furious about is when we're stealing from God, which is what this kind of hits us with. And we, in, we realize we have different standards for everybody else than what we do for ourselves. And it's important to, to begin to dive into this. And I think the first aspect of really we're tracing this freedom, being trustworthy as a faithful disciple, and really looking at obedience is really what I want to, I want to unpack in this text and what o- obedience brings us. And I, I really think the first aspect of obedience is living a life built and, and coming from principle. Have you ever been like um, taken at like Walmart and like you realize you know, they, they took a dollar more than what they should have? You know what I mean? You're like, wait a second, wait a second. You, you get back home, you look at your seat, like, wait, where is my, where is my Clorox wipes that were like a dollar or something? You're like, I've got to go back there and get them. And it's not about the money, it's not about the dollar, but it's about the principle of the thing. And, and what um, the the text here tells us is that there's a principle that our lives as believers should be built on. There's a principle in the life of our finances, and it's to bring. The whole tithe is what verse 10 says. And it's very important that we get this set up. I don't go around giving your kids um, rules and principles to live by. But I, I pray that you, you do that. Or in your own life, your parents have given you principles. Or, but I, because I don't have a relationship with your kids. So it's very important as we approach this principle, if you don't have a relationship with God, this is going to push you back. Or if your relationship with God is very estranged and kind of distant because you you, you haven't thought about him a long time and just been running. It's very important that we know that the principle should be kind of preceded and should be set up by a real relationship with God that's built on trust. And it's out of that place Because I think when we really begin to dig into this, those of us that that we can kind of push away from some of these, and there's a lot to to wade through on this topic. But I think it's a lot of times we look in the mirror and we have to ask ourselves, do I really trust God? There's, There's been these moments in my life, throughout my entire life, especially as I've been walking with the Lord, and I had to be confronted with this fact of like, oh, I've said I trusted God, but when it came down to it, I have not trusted God. I say that I trust God, and I carry it around like a card, like a badge of courage, that I, or an insurance card that I throw in my wallet, but the truth of the matter is when rubber hits the road, I don't trust him in any area of my life, not my time, not my money, not my emotions, not my relationships. I just don't, and I just have to be frank with myself on that, but the beautiful thing about this principle is that it purifies and refines our trust in God, purifies and refines our our trust in God, as we learn to live on a principle. God, my son, all all the time, he's in the why stage right now. He's all about that why. Like, why, why? He's got 20 questions for every one answer. Like, that just sparks, like, the universe of more questions, and it drives me nuts, and I want to say, like, what my dad says, and I'd say it because I said so. Why? Because I said so. Like, there is something That of reverence when we approach God, and God puts a principle in our life that if it's built on trust, then I'll trust you. What you tell me to do, I'll do it. But so many of us we're we're prone to move to every other direction except what the Lord tells us. Excuses for every reason why we shouldn't obey God, instead of every reason why we should obey God and walk within the principle that is said here. So, and that's where it really starts with our obedience, is living a life of principle. It's not because of the reasons that are going to unpack, or the promises, or the power that we're going to unpack here in just a minute, but it really begins with principle. Like, am I willing to obey because you said so, God? I think that's where it all begins. If we want to live a life of freedom, if we want that trust, be trustworthy um, with what God's trusted us with. So it begins with principle, Uh, and and then verse 10 continues on. Look at the second thing, uh, being purpose. He actually does go on because he knows for people that want to know why? He knows that's going to be the question from a four-year-old. He knows it's going to be the question from a 34-year-old. Why? And he says that there may be food in my house, that there may be food in my house, that, there, that the church, that, that God's children joining together in worship might be resourced to do ministry, that there might be food. That's what the food was brought together for, to give to those in need, to help the mission of the church as it transitioned into the new covenant. And God wants the church to be fully resourced and to spread the gospel. And if we're disciples of Jesus, we should want to be a part of that. But I think if we don't want to be a part of that and we push ourselves, we have to really ask ourselves, not just do I, do I trust in God, but am I really a disciple of Jesus? Am I really into following Jesus? And, and that becomes a very difficult conversation to have with ourselves when we look in the mirror and I think everyone will begin to say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I want to be do a part of that. But it's so tr- uh, tough. Uh, that there may be food in my house, we want to be able to to do more in ministry. I, I've been thrilled that we've uh, since we left Kenya that we've been able to begin to supply the needs of uh, in their rent for ch- uh, a whole orphanage, at least the girls' portion of their apartment that they're living in. We're sent out the next three months, and and I just know because of the nature of what they live in, how big and important aspect that is in their life of just to take a load off. God wants us to continually be able to do more, and it happens through faithfulness and trust and, and following in the, the principle, but God also gives us the purpose why we come together, so that the church might be a resource to do ministry and for the gospel to go forward. Um, and the third thing here that I, I think this text reveals to us is that our obedience has not only principle and purpose, but there's a promise that comes with it, and we start getting excited when we talk about the promises of God, right? Not as excited when we talk about principle, but these promises are, are quite powerful. If we can really grab a hold of them, it's really twofold. One of blessing. God gives us a promise of blessing. And he basically says, hey, just test me in this. Like, I triple-double dog dare you. I remember this big, uh, there was construction going on. I grew up on I-4. If any of you are familiar with I-4, I was in that traffic yesterday. I'm like, I just don't miss I-4 at all. Um, uh, some of you guys are familiar with it, but uh, it's just like hell. It really is like hell in a car. Um, God promised us something, but we used to have this mountain, and we'd always make fun of each other, and double dog dare, and triple dog dare, and we'd keep making up crazier things to dare people, but it was like this 50-foot, like, dirt mound that they had put there for construction reasons, and we'd jump off of it, and then we'd just always make fun of the guys who were scared to jump off, of course, because we're, we're kids, um, but God is basically saying, test me in this, like, I, I'd even say, trust me in this, And God promises overflowing blessing. I mean, how how many of you would like to have room, uh, not not have room enough to store it, like what God wants to pour out on our life? And we walk in this, and so many of you are just so faithful in in your tithing and giving and um, doing your very best. And this isn't like Sebastian, by that's not. I'm telling you, it's about what God wants for us, the life he wants to have with us of freedom. But this is what God promises, overflowing blessing. And not just that, but preservation to those that obey, preservation to what we already have. My wife and I have always driven cars that have over 150,000 miles on it, that are over 10 years old. Uh, everybody's budget, everybody's life's different, put money in different places, and this isn't about that. But I'll just tell you, like we've always driven super old cars, pr- pretty good shape, usually foreign cars, no offense to the Ford drivers. but uh, And they've always just survived on on us. I mean, I always hear about other people just like having car problems. We have car problems. Like God, We're not like immune to car problems because we tithe, but God has certainly, I believe, preserved and that we have not had to do major things on our car. God's just continually sustained us in every way possible, and I believe that starts with, with trusting him in the principle and obeying and putting God first uh, in our financial life, that God's brought blessing and that, overwhelming blessing in our life and preservation. And I think where we really begin to look at things out of context is when we begin to Say okay, I gave a hundred dollars here. Therefore, God, I should see two hundred next week, right? That's the way this investment works, and it's just it's just not the way it works. I, I've seen God moving that way. I think I've shared the story before, where I actually um, gave a hundred dollars um, to a guy to get shoes. I think I've shared the story with you before, and then the next week, literally the next week, uh, the least expected person on the face of the planet that I would get this money from. I got $100 from, they made less than me, like literally I don't even think they had a job, I mean they were you know, in school and, and on college loans and stuff, I don't even know where he got the money from, but he gave me $100, so like within a week that did happen, so God can do that, but that's not always what it's about, we're not always again driven by the money, but God gives us promises of blessing and preservation when we trust him and obey him. I, I love what Jesus, you know, begins to teach in the New Testament. Like, if, if you as fathers, as you as mothers, like, know how to give good gifts to your kids, like, what do you think God wants to do to you? If, if God's clothing the lilies of the field and the birds are taken care of, like, don't you think God's going to take care of us? Just kind of puts it all in perspective. And I know, again, when we get into this, a lot of us are dealing through a lot of questions and a lot of baggage we might have and, and uh, perspective Uh, things that when it comes to this text, and and many of those go into like, okay, that's the Old Covenant. You said last chapter in the Old Testament, right? And like, exactly. But if we look into the New Testament and we see Jesus basically correct some religious folks that were doing it, but they were doing it with the wrong heart, Matthew 23, I think I have this text up there. Woe to you teachers. Jesus is kind of going off. This is one of those times where he's just going off. He's sick of religious folks. You remember the time where he goes and makes a weapon and turns over tables? This isn't that one, but that was about money too. Um, and this one he's digging into, and he's saying, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, uh, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. You should have kept time without neglecting the former, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. More important things. you blind guide. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel saying, you're trying to to, to kind of get in some kind of trap, but really what you're looking at tithing as as a penance, like, I'm going to pay off my sins this week, and some of us in the room may be doing this, you may be practicing uh, the the principle of tithing, but you don't have the heart, which is what Jesus is saying here, you don't have trust, and you're neglecting justice, you're neglecting mercy and faithfulness, and you're saying, well, I'm just, just paying my deed, just paying my dues, like we're some kind of country club or something to keep around, and, or so the pastor doesn't, whatever, I don't even know what anybody gives, I, I, I really don't touch our, our finances, period, at all, uh, except, I mean, the actual hands, I, I oversee it and manage it, but uh, you blind guides, you strain out on that, but swallow a camel, Jesus is telling us something here uh, about how we're to approach this, it's not just to say, okay, it's saying, okay he said you should keep doing that, uh, and again, it was customary to come on the first day of the week. The first day of the week, the, the church would come together and gather together money for missionary work and for ministry. It was a normal part of their life. It transitions, and, and it was still with goods because people didn't money was not as a focal thing as it was um, as it is today, where that's the only thing we operate off as the Almighty Dollar. There was much more farming and things, so there was that aspect that this principle really began as. So I think we really got to begin to dig in. To our hearts, and really say, God, am, am I doing all you called me to do? Or am I just treating this as a way to pay off penance? Or, or, or am I thinking that I can pick and choose the, the principles that I want to obey? And I think we're going to be a faithful disciple. We have to completely obey. So I want to begin to dig in and, and transition in the message to a, a little couple things, uh, a few things that I think questions we may be asking, ours, asking ourselves in regard to finances and what it looks like to be a trustworthy steward in regards to our finances, really in the, in the areas of saving, investing, and, um, and budgeting. I think, how many of you guys would like to know, like, what does it look like for a Christian to save? Like, what does the Bible say about that, or investing, or budgeting? Like, does the Bible talk about those things? And it does. It talks about so many practical things. And I think we really have to begin to dig into those if we're going to really comprehend and understand all that the Bible has to say and what God wants for our life. Again, not what he's trying to get from us, but what he wants for our life. And it begins, really, with saving, uh, in 2014, our church has not been, we've got about three to four months of expenses set back for what we call like a rainy day fund or certain projects that our board of directors would set forward. Um, but we're really trying to, in 2015 to, to begin to develop uh, a little more of a savings process. We're actually opening a building fund campaign, which is super exciting just to think about. Uh, one day we'll, we'll build on here that we have more than one bathroom uh, in, uh, over there. So the ladies are the ones that are laughing. They know what I'm talking about. Um, so <clears throat> one day we'll have to do that, but we're just opening the account at this point, so feel free to, to give at any time, but savings is a big thing that we're trying to practice more, I'm trying to practice more in my life, scriptures speak of it, go to the ant, old sluggard, I love the old sluggard, uh, observe her ways, and, and it, meaning lazy, you lazy bum, go look at the ant. Observe not old slugger like Louisville slugger, observe her way, because that's not how it's spelled, observe her ways and be wise, so go look at an ant for a second. It's a proverb here, which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the, ar- uh, in the harvest. I grew up in Plant City, Florida, the winter strawberry capital of the world. I know it's a Mecca. Uh, the only reason you would know anything about it is because the Strawberry Festival, because John Legend and Boys Men were there this week and newsboys and, and stuff. But there's something about this, it's not only speaking to our work ethic. Like if you if you want to eat, then then work. The Bible teaches that. It also teaches to to give freely and to to minister to those in need and who are hungry and and naked to clothe them. But he's saying, go to the ant and look at this. A really, there's a principle of saving that takes place here in our work ethic that we can set aside. And I know it's very easy to come up with excuses of why we can't save. I've done this. I, well, I don't have the money to save, and, and I just offer a solution, and all of us are strapped in different uh, approaches to this, but certainly, it, we can either make more, figure out a way to make more, begin some side work to begin to invest in your retirement, begin to, you know, knit, crochet, or whatever you might want to do. For me, I started building tables, started building dining room tables, and it was a way to, to cushion uh, our, our, uh, our lives and, and have a little more to save. So to make more, or the other option is to spend less. Like uh, It's not a matter of, I can't afford it, but we have these really these two options. Do I need to make more? Do I need to cut back and, and save more? So don't let it be an excuse at whatever stage in life you're in. Um, be like the ant who prepares their provisions in the summer for when it comes winter. When things are tough, you can draw back on that. Uh, and so we're not driven by money um, so much because there's something, there's a cushion. There's that three to four months um, that I talked about there in our lives and even for further out. Okay, so that's about investing. What does the Bible say, or about saving? What's the Bible say about investing? Uh, Jesus was really hardcore here. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, love that word. That's like sluggard and vermin, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Those thieves happened to steal my kids' identity, but they could have stolen my identity. For yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus is is again pointing us back to this whole thing about money is really about our heart, which is what Jesus is after. And I think what this really says about investing is really that the best thing that we can invest in is the kingdom. If we want to learn to invest in something, there's no better investment than a kingdom investment. Things that make the gospel go forward, places that God calls us to be invested in the kingdom being advanced all across the world. And that's who we are as a church, and that's who we should be as disciples of Jesus. It's concerned about investing in the kingdom. We should want to be a part of what God's doing now, I could get up here and tell you a bunch of things about stocks and bonds and all that stuff, and I'm not going to do that because I'm not like a financial advisor. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says about saving and investing, and I'll let you talk to a financial planner on that. I think the other aspect here is budgeting. What does the Bible say about invest, uh, About budgeting? And I think we make a lot of mistakes when we begin to look at our budget. I, I've read a couple of articles lately. One that only one in three people are happy with their financial situation right now. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but only one in three people are happy with their financial situation right now, and that is not just a matter of the recession. That's actually, statistic has maintained the exact same for the past three to four decades, (laughs) that only one in three Americans are happy with their financial situation right now. I think if I went down the line and did it, I think we'd probably nail that (laughs) on the head. And here's a funny thing too, almost the exact same statistic for how many make a detailed budget for themselves. Is that a coincidence that one in three people are happy with the way their finances sit, and, and there's, a, a, there's only a third that are happy, or there only a third that are creating a detailed budget for their lives? I don't know if that's a coincidence. It may just be a coincidence, but it's very important for us, because look at what Proverbs 27, 23 says. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Attend to your herds. Maybe you've been in a place like I have financially before. Like, I'd rather not look, right? you right? You know what I mean? Because you just know things are tight. You know, you know you've been draining money in some area of your life. I'd rather just not know the numbers. I just know it in the back. Anybody been there? Okay. I've been there before. I'd just rather not look, and it's just easier. I'm just not gonna think about it. Like what we're doing is we're just draining more. Like it's like a leak in our plumbing. Like, we just let it go, we're like, oh, it's not there. No, we'll never notice it. It'll never make a problem. And then it starts to stink up the whole house. Have major issues. It's costing us more money because we're really in trouble now. The scriptures are, are really setting us up here. Be, know what's going on in your flocks. And I know none of you have flocks. So <laughs> know what's going on in your finances. Attend to them weekly, monthly. Look at what is happening in your finances. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we'd say many of us in the room, we're scared to look. We're scared to look to know what we're spending in that area. I I have a friend of mine who once told me he was spending $250 or plus in soda per month. Some of you are doing that in coffee, way over that per month. It is. It is. And what Jesus just said in the investment thing, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Like your heart's in coffee, like your your heart's in booze, like like let's be real. Let's be real about where we're at and where the money's going. know what's going on and where things are going. I think we, we have a, a few problems that we often run into with our budget. And these are just a couple of ideas here. One is that tithings often last. Look at Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe in. That's one of the first problem. Second one, savings usually second to last. We kind of just throw it in there, like if we can, instead of making a real conscious effort of we need to do this, provide for our future. If, so, if something breaks, the world has not fallen to pieces. Uh, biggest thing, we, we spend everything we make. Look at what Proverbs 21 says. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. There's some savings put back there. But a foolish man devours all he has. And like, I know it is to live paycheck to paycheck. The the percentages of Americans is very high that live paycheck to paycheck. I know what that is. But listen to what this principle says. It doesn't say for those that are making 100k plus. No, it it says a wise man. It's about being wise and foolish. Not everybody's going to have the same budget, but you need to live within that. We not spend everything we make. And then lastly, our impulses aren't budgeted. You might have a problem with impulses. Anybody? Come on. All right. All right. Now we're not being honest with ourselves. Come on. I've never seen so much lying going on in a church. He who is impulsive exalts folly. I mean, we'll do it all the time. Like, do you, do you want to do it? Can we do it? Okay, let's do it. That food smells good. We're right here. Whatever it is. Our impulses aren't budgeted. He who uh, is impulsive exalts folly. Exalts, like lifts up being foolish is what that really means. So we've got to be honest with ourselves about the nature of our heart towards trusting God and honest about looking in and seeing what we're really spending and how things are flowing. Some of you have an incredible knowledge. You could name every expense and what percentages are. You guys are probably far surpassing me in, in this room, many of you. But I know some of us in the room like, don't even have an idea of where we're falling in these areas. And that's a problem according to the scriptures. So the Bible speaks to our our savings, it speaks to investing in the kingdom, it speaks to having a budget and knowing where things stand, putting God first. It speaks very fully into these things, so I just want to begin to ask you some questions this morning. Ask some hard questions to yourself, like can or, or do you trust God with your finances? I mean, I think most of it would say, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> do I or will I? I don't know about that. But can I? I yeah, and I think we do. I think we do believe that we can trust God with our finances. I mean, come on, we, we trust him with eternity, but we can't trust him with our car payment? Like Something a little bit weird, something going on in our head with that. We can trust him with eternity, but not the, the simple bills of life. The number one thing Americans worry about? money. How are my bills going to be paid? Number one thing every single person in this room almost worries about. Not only can I trust, but do I trust God with my finances? It's that hard look in the mirror, hard question, do I trust? And then do I have a detailed budget of what I'm spending? I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but if you did in this room and say, I'm scared to look, there'd probably be uh, two-thirds of us, according to this, this study. Do I have a detailed budget of what I'm, I'm spending? And so I want to issue just a couple challenges to us this morning, a few challenges. I think one, to say I'm going to trust God with my finances. I don't have it all worked out. I haven't went to my budget yet. I I, I haven't been doing this, but I'm going to take a step towards trusting God with my finances. I'm going to start working through some of this stuff in my heart and look in the mirror. Some of us need to, to go home to this afternoon, need to set a meeting for... Thursday night with our, our husband or wife or with someone that knows this stuff because this is so far out of your, you hate numbers, like you hate them bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just need to find somebody to sit down with and say, hey, can you help me work through this stuff? It sounds like you got your act together, at least it looks like it. Can you help me at least walk through this with me? You need to schedule that. You need to set the time down and figure out what's going, what's coming to make sure we're not spending all we have, make sure we're, we're preparing in summer while, when for when winter comes and and I, I challenge you to take the three-month tithing challenge. Just say, God, I don't have it all figured out, but, and, and, and maybe I don't understand the why or the purpose or everything, but God, right now, I'm going to make a commitment to follow you based on the principle, God, and know that the promise is going to happen, and know that blessing is going to come in my life. And I, I, I want to go around right now, for so many of you that tithe, and just begin to ask you testimonies of what God's done in your life because of this. I mean, I could go on and on, of just how God's been faithful. And many times it's because we don't let God be faithful. We're we're scared to trust Him, and I challenge you to take that step today. There's one other P. I've been going with the P's this morning of of principle and purpose and promise. And there's one other P that verse 12 says that all the nations will call you blessed. It's really about the power of the power of our obedience. What happens when we say yes to God? I've had many days in my life where I've said no to God. Where God told me to do something and I said "Nah, dude, I'm good. One of the toughest times in my life, I was in a a worship service when I was a kid. I, I don't even know that I had very much of a foundation with Christ at that time, maybe just a foundation. Um, But I was in the service, and this pastor was asking for people that need to be physically healed to come up to the front, and I was scared to death, man. I was not all about that. I was just, I was scared. I was scared for, what if he doesn't heal me? I was scared. And I didn't go up. And I didn't get healed. Time would pass. It would probably be seven years later, and I've remained with this knee issue in my life, and God really began to clarify after what I'm about to tell you happened. There was another time where my mouth filled with sores. I've told some of you this story. My mouth filled with sores, mouth sores. I couldn't speak. It was the week I met my wife. What a crazy coincidence. God probably knew, like, if I talked too much, I'd mess it up. (laughs) But, uh, I, I, there was this, this this time where I couldn't speak for literally for days. My mouth was filled with sores. I had a reaction to um, what's that thing called? Sulfur water. I'm allergic to a sulfur. I had no idea. Never dealt with it before. Mouth filled with sores. And then kind of same thing happened. I'm, I need healing. Pastor says hey will you, if you need healing come up. And I went up. I went up for healing because I'm like I can't talk. Like, I get around on my knee. I couldn't get a get around like this for my life and and three days a long time to be like not talking especially for a guy that talks with his life I went up to that altar and God healed me like miraculously within moments after that like my mouth had zero sores and literally I don't know if it was that night or the next I think it was the next night my wife and I at this youth camp worked bouncy boxing together And that's when our really first conversation happened. I know that sounds insane. (laughs) But that's how it happened. And it was really, God told me about my knee and he reminded me of my knee. And I really asked the Lord, I said, don't take this from me so I can remember to obey you at all times, God. Help me to remember the times when I was obedient and and you proved yourself, God. I want to challenge you just to continually test the Lord. There's power in our obedience. All nations will call us blessed. I did some numbers because I really wanted to know, what's the power of bringing the whole tithe? What would this do? I told you about $120,000 came in in 2014. and I ran the numbers based on just average in Mandarin. I know many of you live all over the place, but in Mandarin, the average income per individual is about $40,000. So if we just average that out for the people that are here this morning, we'd have another $120,000, we would double our budget in this year if we were obedient in this way. These are just a couple of ideas of what could happen with $120,000 if we obey. This is the power of it. We could finish building the Emanuel Orphanage and house 85 orphans in Kenya, built, done, within months, been working on it for uh, years. We'd have probably $20,000 left over too to do something else. We could supply 11,000 families, that's like 60,000 people with clean drinking water in Cambodia. 60,000 people this year would have clean drinking water that are less immune to to disease because of this. We can launch all kinds of new ministry to the hurting parts of our city that God's sending us to. Goes on and on, the biggest thing that the the, the gospel would be prepared by ministry going for. That's what it's about, it's about the heart. And these tangible things that we're able to meet just opens the door for the gospel to go forward. For disciples, we want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that, just seeing the power of what would happen when a few people in a small room can come together and just say, "God, I don't have all the answers about everything, but God, I'll say yes, because I want healing in my life, God, I want blessing in my life, I want preservation in my life. I want to be a part of the church being resourced and the gospel going forward. So I want to challenge you to walk in that today because there's incredible power in it if we join together. So I want to ask you to join with me in standing. This message is not to beat anybody up. It's the opposite of that. It's to inspire you to know what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. It's to inform and inspire you about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and what can happen when we join together to do what God's called us to do. So I wanna ask you to search your heart in this next moment. They're gonna, they're gonna sing a song just about our heart, which is so spot on for what God's doing. I just wanna just ask you to offer your hearts up, uh, offer your lives up to the Lord. If you just maybe picture yourself as uh, standing in front of that mirror and asking God, do I really trust you? Maybe it's not finances, maybe you're doing great in that, maybe you're just neglecting the other more important matters of the law. Jesus didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. He wants to fulfill some things in our lives. Maybe it's in other areas, our relationships or whatever else might be going in your life. Maybe it is healing today. You just need to say yes to obedience today. God, we thank you in this moment, God. I just pray that you'd prepare our hearts, God. You'd be working in our hearts, God. Help us to give you everything and not hold anything back for ourselves. Let's worship in this time. the time of our service where we, we get to come together to worship at the table. The table is a daily representation that Jesus gathered around. He told his disciples, go prepare a room for us to be able to have the Passover meal. And the table is representative of just this daily life that we come to break bread all the time. Every day we eat bread, at least I do. But it's deeper than that. That's the practical daily life reminder of every time we're touching bread and wine. Like we're reminded of God's goodness. We're reminded of what Jesus did for us at the cross and it's a representation of his very presence with us. There's something tangible to touch. There's something tangible to dip and to consume into our bodies and to our spirits. But It's even more than just a tangible representation. It's a deeply spiritual representation moment. And I invite you, if you do this out of religion or, or, or you're not uh, of, of the faith that we are, then, then don't feel, you know, threatened to come up here. You don't have to. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, I invite you to just make this deeply spiritual moment where we uh, where confess our sins the way we've robbed God, the way we've turned our back on him, maybe our, our lack of justice or mercy or unfaithfulness that Jesus listed. To confess those things and say, Jesus, it's by your stripes I've been made whole, God. It's, I've fallen short, but your goodness is here for me, God, today. His body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us. I want to invite you to come as you are today. My wife and I will be at this cross over here. If you'd like prayer for anything in your life, healing, breakthrough, finances, relationships, whatever got, God's doing in your life, we'd love to be here for you. So I invite you to come as you are to the table.